invite you to open your Bible tonight to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 27 through 38. I'm going to um, really be focusing on Jesus' words at the beginning and then and verses um, 35 through 36. As we look at uh, this, this concept of mercy, how do, we, how do you love people who are um, hard to love? Um, how do you move forward in relationships that, that seem to be stuck? And let's give our attention uh, to God's word this evening. Luke 6, this is what Jesus says. <clears throat> but I say to you who hear, Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Oh Jesus, we thank you that not only have you spoken these words, but you have caused them to be recorded so that we can hear you speak tonight to us. And Jesus, we thank you that your spirit has been given as well. I pray that you'd give us hearts to receive this. And uh, Lord, I thank you that your word is powerful. And tonight we, we ask and expect that your word will impact our lives and our hearts. And, and by the power of God, Lord, make us more like you. And so we pray it in your name. Amen. A few weeks ago, if uh, you were here, um, you remember that we began a conversation about bitterness and um, talked about bitterness as uh, this, this sort of hard core that you can feel maybe inside almost viscerally, uh, maybe a, a heat inside the heart um, that just makes you impatient with people, uh, makes you maybe frustrated, angry even with people. And as good Christians, right, we try to keep a, a a lid on it. We try to, to, to zip our lip and not say things we shouldn't say, but the fire just kind of is there. And then something will happen and, and unexpectedly and suddenly outcome the angry, frustration, frustrated or bitter words, um, the impatient words. Uh, and, and as we talked about that, we talked about how do, you get, how do you get rid of the thing behind the angry words and the impatient attitudes? How do you get, how do you, how do you get to the heart 
um, that spawns that frustrated feeling that you uh, so easily have with people. Uh, we, we don't want to just be people that have learned how to control our tongue. Uh, the fact is we can't actually, uh, ultimately we're not going to be able to control our tongue if our heart hasn't been transformed. The mouth is going to speak out of the heart. And so as, as people who are following Christ, we, we want to be people who are actually being, having a transformed heart. Uh, that God is giving us tender hearts and gracious hearts, merciful, compassionate hearts. And, and uh, not as an idea, not as um, some sort of a moral value you try to paste onto your life, but as an actual real, objective something that God is doing in your life and the, the fruit of it is be, being seen by those who know you and live with you. Um, so we looked at Psalm 39 a few weeks ago and, and saw there a great help for, for bitter hearts. But uh, tonight what I want to do is just move the conversation forward. And, and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this again is because I think this, um, I've experienced... Um, the Lord just doing some opening my eyes on these things and, and uh, listening to you. It sounds like we're all struggling with the same sorts of things. And tonight, um, just want to, how do we move forward and what does moving forward look like? So if, we, so if God gives us a, um, is changing our heart, what's that going to look like? I, <clears throat> um, as I said, I uh, had a, a, a good time uh, away um, a few weeks ago. We were... Um, away for for a leave, and I spend a lot of time just in prayer and and reading, and just um, asking the Lord to reveal things about my life, about my heart, and and dealing with some bitterness there. And one of the things that just came up is that I often get stuck um, in relationships, uh, and and I don't think I'm unique in this, but. Uh, if someone does something that wounds me or offends me, or I just see something that concerns me. Um, then we all have a choice to make, right? You see someone that you care about and you see that's happening. They're either engaged in some sin or some, there's some concerning thing or they've done something that, is, that has wounded you and now it's just there and you have a choice to make. You can either just let it go and love covers a multitude of sins and, and uh, praise God we can do that. But, but there are times when we make the, the, the choice to speak and, and so we... We try to go and have that conversation. Sometimes it goes well, and praise God for that. Sometimes it doesn't go well. It's not well received at times. And, and, and just confessing, and that's where I get stuck. Um, because after I've raised the concern and tried to do it graciously and, and, um, and, and sure, have not done it um, perfectly, but, but I've you know, I've tried, but it wasn't received, and, and now I don't know where to go or what to do. And uh, my tendency then has been just to emotionally withdraw from the relationship, right? I've, I've, I don't know what else to do to help. I've, I've said what I, what I think needs to be said. Um, I'm not going to keep hounding you about it, I, um, but I'm not going to em, em, uh, emotionally invest in, in your life in the same way. I'm going to kind of back off and withdraw. And that was, that was kind of a pattern in my life. And, um, but as I was just thinking about this in prayer with the Lord, I, I realized that I'm not as emotionally withdrawn as I think because there is the emotion in those relationships of some just simmering resentment and simmering bitterness that um, 
makes it so that relationship gets further and further estranged or that person becomes further and further estranged from me. Now, I don't think I'm alone in this. I wouldn't doubt that, that many of you have had relationships in your life where maybe a family member or a friend or a former friend, a, a co-worker, uh, someone that where you used to, the relationship used to be harmonious and then something happened and maybe you tried to address it um, and it didn't go well and, and now it's, it's just sort of stuck. The issue was dropped, but the relationship hasn't really been healed. And, and a slow-forming bitterness creeps in where there used to be a companionship and friendship and love. Uh, that can happen in marriages, easily happen in marriages, where there's some issue that came up maybe years ago, never really got dealt with, didn't get resolved, wasn't, wasn't confessed, wasn't forgiven, it just sort of was stepped over and the bitterness slowly forms and, and there's an ever-widening chasm in the relationship where there once had been great intimacy. That might be happening in your, in your family or in your marriage right now. So that's, that's just the reality that we, that we live with. We know these things. Well, as I was talking in prayer with the Lord about this, um, and I confessed, Lord, I don't think I'm supposed to be stuck like this. But I don't know how to move forward. I don't know what else to say. What am I supposed to do? And, and suddenly, um, this thought broke into my mind with perfect clarity, show mercy. I, was, I remember clearly, I was, driving, I was driving down the road and show mercy. That's it, just show mercy. And, and, and immediately I, I felt a, a peace in my heart. It was like a doorway opened in my spirit and I realized I don't have to stay stuck. That, that there's a path forward. I can choose a compassion even towards the, the, the sin of other people. I don't have to fix the relationship. I don't have to uh, carry the burden of trying to be the Holy Spirit. I can just be merciful, kind. And that's what, all that God calls me to in that. I can remember that this person is, is just like me, a person that's struggling and, and sinful, has weaknesses, and, and I can show mercy. And, and the words of Micah 6.8 came to mind like almost immediately. He has shown you, oh man, he's told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We're to be people who love mercy. And I had to confess that I, I had forgotten that. And I was thankful the Lord opened my eyes to see it again. Well, there's lots of places in the scripture we could turn to to talk about mercy. I've chosen Luke 6 because it, it, the command is perfectly placed in the con context of hard relationships, really hard relationships. And so we're going to look first in, at just at the context. Notice the words uh, that Jesus uses to describe the people that we're supposed to show mercy to. Um, I say to those, to, to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other. To the one who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who begs from you. 
And from the one uh, who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. This is not a category of nice people. And this is one of the passages in the Bible that, that I think uh, we tend to read and maybe take a step back and move on. Because it just doesn't sound reasonable. It sounds like something that you know, really super spiritual people do. Maybe. Um, maybe it's hyperbole or metaphor. It's supposed to represent something. It, it, it doesn't sound sensible, and, and it doesn't sound like something Jesus really maybe means because we, we easily sort of ignore it. Well, before we step on, let's just stop and, and notice the encouragement here. The encouragement is Jesus knows where we live. Jesus knows that we live in the context of just these kinds of relationships. Some of you can put names, all of you can put names to some of these categories. These are people that you know. People that, that you've been in some relationship with. Jesus understands really hard, painful relationships. And these are exactly the kinds of relationships where we get stuck. It's easy to love people who love you. It's easy to do good to people who just constantly do good to you. We don't get stuck there. We get stuck when people wound us, when they hurt us, when they offend us. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. These are the people we tend to avoid. We certainly don't know how to move forward. And so Jesus is acknowledging, right? He knows where we live. But it is, it is in this very spot, right? It, it's, it's exactly in the context of these hard relationships that Jesus teaches us the secret wisdom of heaven and calls us, commands us, to do the most incredibly counterintuitive thing, to respond to these people in mercy. So let's look at the command. Listen to what he commands us to do for these people. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. The, the words are very simple, they're very clear, and they're startling. These are not, again, these are not religious platitudes. They're not just nice sort of Sunday school moralisms. They're commands. Jesus commands it. And they overturn completely our common unspoken assumptions concerning how we should respond to these kinds of people in our life. Notice these commands are diametrically opposed to the wisdom of the world in which we live. Our world will confidently tell you that these people are toxic. These people are not safe. These people are to be avoided at all costs. Uh, these people are uh, maybe even to be publicly shamed and ridiculed, called out. Um, we, uh, we live in a, in a victim culture, and we, we as victims, right, give to ourselves rights. 
Uh, and we don't owe these people anything. We have the right to protect ourselves. We have the right to uh, withdraw. We have the right not to love. Well, it, that's, that's the wisdom of the world. It, it's, not, it's not the wisdom of Jesus. It's interesting that the, that the way our world thinks today, it's, it's not new. That, that's just human nature. The Jews thought exactly the same way. So when Jesus is, is speaking this in, in the, the, the cultural climate of his day, well, that's exactly how Jews thought. Um, they were very comfortable hating their enemies. And they knew who the enemies were. Right? If you were a Jew, your, entiles, your, your enemy was the Gentile and the sinner. And then you'd have your personal enemies. But, but they felt in, in, extremely comfortable hating Gentiles and hating known sinners. We, we have a bit of that in, in our own cultural context, even as Reformed Christians. I think we feel very comfortable hating leftist politicians. We, we, we feel comfortable hating Democrats. Um, I think we feel comfortable ridiculing our president. But that's just politically, up here. We also, I think, more and more as, a culture, as, a, as the culture is pressing itself upon us, feel comfortable taking the wisdom of the world when it comes to hard relationships. And, and it doesn't even strike us as strange. It doesn't strike us as something that we need to apologize for. It doesn't seem to, to us to be a problem. And, and we recount in our minds the reasons these people are to be avoided and, and the ways that they're toxic. And we, we, aren't, uh, we don't feel ashamed um, of maybe ridiculing them when we're talking to another friend. That's just how human nature responds. And again, the Jews felt the same way, but, but Jesus counteracts human wisdom and calls us to think and act in a radically different way. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. They're just these, these, these rocks that Jesus places, huge boulders they place, he puts right in the middle of our path and and, and there's no way around them. No way to explain these, these away. So, so the question, of course, is, well, how do you possibly do this? Because Jesus, when he gives the commands, he expects them to be obeyed. He's, he's, the, he's God. He's the king. So how do, how do you possibly move forward with love and blessing and prayer when, when your heart is hurting and and you've, you, you've just been wounded so many times by this person or you've had it with their foolishness or their hatred is just, is just too much. And, and you feel completely stuck. And, and that's where you see the command that Jesus gives is so important. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Mercy is the path forward. I should have noticed how Jesus, uh, it's so important how he talks about this. As we look at the comparison, he says, you will be, love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. You see, the, the first thing, the, the very most important essential thing if we're going to move in this direction, is we need a good long look at the character of God. What is God like? 
Because Jesus says that as we love our enemies and do good to them, we're, we're imitating him. So what is God like? If I, if I would say to you, give me the first word that comes to your mind, when I say the word God, you would say sovereign, holy, uh, almighty, just, good, loving, all good words. But do you know the first word that God uses? What is the first word that God uses to describe himself? We have it in Exodus 34, uh, where Moses asks God, show me what you're really like. Show me your glory. What is the essence of your, your beauty and majesty and, as God? Show that to me. And, and so God does, and God passes by, and God proclaims, Exodus 34, 6, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. The first word God uses to describe himself is not sovereign. It's not omnipotent. It's merciful. And the second word is gracious. And then slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and compassion. That's what God is like. To the core of his being. He's merciful. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be merciful? What does God do that you could point to and say, that's it right there. That's, that's mercy. That's what it looks like. That, that's what it does right there. See, that's, that's God's mercy right there. Well, Jesus tells us exactly what God's mercy looks like when he says he, God, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's an astonishing statement. And that just astounds me. I, it's even maybe a little offensive because I don't know about you, but those are the Two of my least favorite kinds of people in the world, right? Ungrateful people and evil people. And I don't think I'm alone. Again, anybody here just really love ungrateful people? They're always complaining. They never got a good thing to say. And no matter how much you give, how much you bless, it's just complain, complain, complain. It's never enough. Anybody here love to hang around with those kinds of people? Ever get frustrated with those kinds of people? How about evil people, people that seem to actually just take joy in hurting and in, uh, in deception and in breaking promises and in just people who seem to enjoy wreaking havoc in relationships. They like it. Does that make you mad? Did you have a visceral reaction when you saw and heard what Hamas terrorists did to innocent Israeli families? Yeah, I did too. So let's be real. How could Jesus possibly ask us to be kind to hateful, evil people? Well, the answer, of course, is because this is precisely what God has displayed towards us. So when, when Jesus says that God is kind 
to the ungrateful and the evil, who did you think he was talking about? You thought he was talking about somebody else. He was talking about you. He was talking about me. Listen to what Paul says in Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. He says, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Evil, ungrateful, disobedient, wicked. At at one time, that's where we were. And then he says, verse 4, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. His mercy. Remember in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about how we all once were Objects of wrath, sons of disobedience, following the prince of the ruler of this air, of the, of the air. We, we, we were ungrateful, evil people. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and then you get to verse 4, and he goes, But God, being rich in what? Mercy. It's the only explanation for it. God being rich in mercy. made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. You see, friends, if you want to, if you want to answer the question, why, is, why did God save me? The answer is mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy all the way down. God, in His infinite kindness, displayed mercy to you and to me, ungrateful, evil, wicked, disobedient, hateful people. God displayed mercy. Mercy to us in sending his own son to die in our place. That's the kindness. It wasn't just rain on the just and the unjust. He does that too. But, but this was sent, he sent his son to take all the evil and ungratefulness of our, of our life and to bear the, the just penalty of God for it. That's what he did in his mercy. And gave us life in Jesus Christ and made us children of God in Jesus Christ and heirs of heaven in Jesus Christ, all because of his mercy. And so you see, the Jesus who's who's making the commands is exactly the Jesus who came to this end and is going to go to the cross and accomplish this for us. He is the evidence of the mercy of God. He's the expression of it. And so there are at least two reasons why Jesus calls us to show mercy. The first is because we are the recipients of mercy, infinite mercy. How how could we, having received such astonishing mercy at such a staggering cost, how could we refuse to show mercy to other people? It's the story of, of the unmerciful servant, Matthew 18. Right? The one man owes trillions of dollars and the king has mercy on him and forgives his debt and he goes out and promptly grabs a guy, owes him 10 bucks and, and uh, forces, throws him into prison, right? No mercy at all. And the, and the master calls him back and, and, and rebukes him. Should you not have had mercy 
on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Yes, he should have. You, you, you can sense in that story, right, Matthew 18, you sense the, the outrage of, of this man who's been forgiven so much and has so much mercy shown to him. You, can, you, you, you feel the outrage of this guy going out and, and demanding that his, his buddy pay him $10, and, and if not, he's going to throw him into prison. It's an outrageous, wicked thing. And that's exactly the outrage of our lives when we, having received the mercy of God, are not willing to show that mercy to other people. People who are just like us. So the first reason is that, that Jesus commands us is to show mercy is because we've received such infinite mercy. And it's just outrageous if we won't do it. But the second reason is that we're able to show mercy. We are sons of the Father. Jesus is talking to his disciples as sons of God. Um, and, 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 and as sons of God, you see, we have this new family trait, this new family ability, something that we never had before, and, and that is we are free to be merciful as our Father is merciful. I, I think that's the, struck, the, the thought that really struck me as I was, as I was driving. Um, I've always known that I'm required to show mercy, but, but the requirement by itself doesn't always move me. But, but what struck me is, is that in Christ, we are able and we're free. We, we get to do this. The, the, door is, the door is open. We don't have to stay stuck. We're, we're free to set aside our pride. Just set it aside. It's free to, to put aside our fear. We're free to put on a compassionate heart. And, and instead of seeing this person in the terms of the wrongs that they've done, we just see them as people made out of dirt just like we are. And, and poor struggling saints or sinners, wherever they might be, and uh, they're, they're going to stand before the judgment throne just like we are, and they're just as much in need of help as we are. So why are we screaming in our heart at them? They're just, they're just lost, they're confused, blinded, in need of grace, in need of mercy, just like us. And so we can put on a compassionate heart, like Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I was reading this week from 1 Peter, and it just struck me. Peter says in chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Finally, all of you have a tender heart and a humble mind. I thought, man, that'd be good to stamp on your forehead. Have a tender heart and a humble mind. And he, and he goes on, Peter does, to show what that looks like. He says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called. We're free to do this. We're free to walk in, through this open door. And to be kind. And to recognize that, that the person that is in our life is exactly there so that we can show that we belong to God and, and we get to exercise mercy and compassion. I want you to just think about how this could transform your, your, your life and your relationships. Instead of getting stuck and impatient and frustrated, 
can take all of that, and it's such a wonderful thing. You can just take all that and you don't have to be stuck and frustrated. You don't have to be resentful. You don't, you don't need to be angry. In Christ, you, you can put that aside. You can give that to God. And you can embrace what God has done for you and what God has called you to do and enabled you to do. You get to be an agent of mercy. You get to show kindness to evil people and ungrateful people, people who don't get it. You get to, we, get, we get to show kindness and mercy to them. But we need to embrace it. Or this will just be another sermon, right, you hear on a Sunday night. It's not meant to just be another sermon you hear on a Sunday night. Jesus speaks these words because he means them to transform our life. And that means that we'll have to apply them. Let me give you just two applications as we close. One, this doesn't mean that sin shouldn't be addressed. Sin does need to be addressed. If you're a parent, you need to address sins in your children. If you're married, you, you're, we're called to help each other onto heaven. And, and that means we have a place. Uh, and as brothers and sisters in Christ, same thing. We're, we're here to, to help each other onto heaven. And, and there, there will need to be, Paul will talk freely about it, admonish one another, sometimes rebuke each other. We, we, we need loving those words of truth spoken. But the difference will be we get to speak them with a tender heart. We get to speak them with a merciful heart. We get to say, brother... You and I, we are so much alike, it's crazy. And I know your heart because I know mine, and God has been so gracious and merciful to me, and I'm inviting you to walk in a new way. And the freedom that you have, the freedom that God is showing, showing me, it changes the conversation tremendously. Sin does need to be addressed, but we get to address it in a whole new way. And then secondly, I would just ask you to pray. Have a conversation with God, you. And take those very relationships, and you know you, you, the names and the circumstances, and begin by confessing before the Lord the ways that you have failed to show mercy. And you've let your life be, be controlled by the impatience, the frustration, the offense. Just confess the ways that you've not shown mercy. You've been... We've been the unmerciful servant. And then thank God again for the infinite mercy that he's poured out upon you. Not just once in Jesus Christ, but day after day after day. That God responds to your sin, not with judgment, not with um, emotional withdrawal. Not, well, you're just going to have to figure it out. God responds with mercy and kindness and mercy and kindness day after day after day. And just take some time to think about that. To thank him for that. And then pray that the Holy Spirit would allow that mercy to flood your heart so that you in your heart experience compassion for those who've wounded you, for those who are hard to love, for those places where you're stuck in sin. And then, and then out of that heart, speak a kind word. Out of that heart, do a loving deed. Out of that heart, be open to a reconciled and restored relationship. Out of, out of that heart, begin to walk as children of the Father. Children of mercy. Jesus means these words to transform our life. And he promises beautiful things. Blessed are the merciful, because they will receive what? Mercy. And he talks about here, heaped up, poured into your lap, right? 
mercy, the kindness and grace and, and love of God for you. Let's walk this road, friends, by the, by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit. Amen. God in heaven, I thank you that you know where we live. And Jesus, I thank you that you speak these words of life into the very real context of our life. And Lord, you know the hearts here that are burdened with impatience, with frustration, with resentment, anger. <clears throat> you know the, the, the relationships that are broken or stuck. And we don't know what to do. We don't know how to fix it. And Jesus, I pray that your spirit would use your word tonight to open a new door for us, the door of mercy, the door of compassion. And we stop seeing people just according to their offense, but we see them as someone like us who's weak in many ways and stumbles in many ways and someone who needs help and needs grace and, and someone who's that we get to be a channel of God's mercy and kindness in their life. Father, I, I just pray that your word would humble us deeply, would transform us truly, and that in a world where there's so much screaming, so much anger, so much vitriol, scorn, contempt, that we would put that all away. All malice and all anger frustration, impatience, resentment. And that in the church of Jesus Christ, there would be a precious unity of heart and mind. There would be a tender hearts and humble minds as we put on a compassionate heart. And we don't return reviling for reviling, but we, we bless with joy because we're children of God. And we've received mercy beyond telling. So Jesus, please, make this be a place where the love of God and the, the mercy of the Father and the grace of Jesus is evidently seen. And we'll give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to respond to God's word tonight by singing together, His mercy is more. Our sins are many. His mercy is more. Let's celebrate God's goodness to us.
Paul prays in 2 Thessalonians 2, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Now as you go, may the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father be with you all till Christ come again. Amen. Yeah.